Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high notice the correlation here the promise and power Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 and being assembled together with them he commanded them that he being Jesus that they commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 now. Skipping down to save time. But you shall receive power. Everybody say it with me. Power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, every church in the world just about is reading the same text today. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance Skipping down verse 13, the crowds gather outside to see the weirdness that's going on inside. Others mocking said they are full of new wine. Drunk on grape juice. But Peter standing up with the 11, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, say the Lord, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams Peter keeps on preaching and it brings us to verse 37 of the same chapter Acts chapter 2 now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do this is a good question what shall we do then Peter said unto them repent 
And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. Sorry, I'm reading the New King James and quoting the original in my head. Notice the promise. The promise is to you, is to your children, to all that are far off, and even as many as our Lord will call. The promise. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. The promise. Will you lift your hands and your voices with me one more time? Jesus, we worship you. We worship you, Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. The promise. Today's world, a man's word doesn't mean hardly anything. We expect people to lie to us. Has anyone ever believed a car salesman when they said, this is the best I can do? And I've told the story, and we were sitting in Wakeham. It's not Wakeham anymore. We're there, and uh, I told Caitlin, I said, this is, we are not going $1 above this amount. And we can't, they're not going to talk us into it because she is a soft sale. <laughs> she, <laughs> she sees features and seat heats, and she's all in. And then we get home and the first bill comes. She's like, what were we thinking? It's like, we? How is it we now? And so I said, we're not going a dollar above this. So we go in and, and we, show, we look at the car. We find the one that we like. It was a Honda Pilot. And, and we go in there and uh, they tell us the price. And it was like almost double what we said we were willing to pay. I said, no, 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 no. No, but you got to understand this is a good car. I said, no, we're not doing it. We have a budget, and we're not going past. And the guy's trying to talk me out of our budget. I said, dude, I can't make money. Just be bigger than it is. I mean, it's this is what we have. And so I said, no, that's it. I'm sorry. And we just stood up, and we started walking out. King of the walkouts right here. And we started walking out, and, and they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And they call us back, and they say, they go, let me talk to the manager. And they go back and pretend to talk to the manager. <clears throat> Sip some coffee. And they come back out and say, oh, no, this is the price. They're, they're going to let me go. We're not making any money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're taking a loss here. <laughs> and it's still way more than what we said our budget was. And so we get out, and we walk out and start walking out again. They go, wait, 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 wait. And the whole thing happens again. I said, no, we're not going above this price. And so we stand up and we go to walk out a third time. And this time the guy goes, wait, 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 wait. Pulls us back in. The manager comes. They pull us back in. They say, just give us a minute. And they go back and they go and say, we called Mrs. Wakeham. She was at home baking cookies. They had the car dealer, the, the lady that owns, you know, millions and millions of dollars. I'm sure she was just sitting there. And she said, because it's you. She doesn't know me. <laughs> because it's you, we'll give it to you for that price. I said, okay. He was lying. I knew he was lying. He knew that I knew that he was lying. And we were all okay with it. As long as I got the price that I wanted. We expect people to lie to us. We expect politicians to lie. We expect people running as a conservative 
to become very conservative. We expect people running in a, for a liberal to become very liberal. And they might not be anywhere on those spectrums. They might be somewhere in the middle. We just expect that they're not going to do just what they said. We expect them to lie to us. We know that they are liars and that they are lying to us. We know it. And then we go in the booth and say, his lie sounded the best. I, I, I was in the parking lot of the church with my grandfather one day, and this guy came up, and he told a whopper of a story why he needed money. I mean, it was a tall tale worthy of Paul Bunyan and, and Pecos Pete and all that. I mean, it was just this side of riding a twister. And I watched my grandfather open up his wallet and take out $20 and hand it to him. He got in the car. I said, Grandpa, why in the world did you give that guy money? We all know he was lying to you. He said, yeah, but that was a $20 story if I ever heard one. <laughs> we expect people to lie to us. We live in this. We treat it as normal knowing people are making promises that they have zero intention of keeping. And it's really quite sad how little we believe each other. But the problem that we face today is one of transference. We transfer our expectations of man. We transfer our, ex our experiences with other people lying to us and not keeping their promises and we transfer them onto the almighty God. But I'm here to tell you this morning that our God keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. 1 Samuel 15, 29 says this, he who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being and sh that should change his mind. Not only does he not lie, he won't change his mind. What he said is true will be true tomorrow, just as it was true yesterday. The book says all the promises of God in him are yes and in him are amen. 2 Timothy 2.13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. Even if we don't believe it, he's still true. I'm glad the book says let God be true in every man a liar. I don't care how many people have lied to you. I don't care how many people have deceived you. I don't care how many broken promises lie at your feet. When it comes to God, everybody can be a liar. But our God is true and he keeps his promises. His word is true. I got a long work up in a small Attachment. You know, we say things and we have no idea that we're saying them. The power of life and death are in the tongue. We don't even know we're saying it. Always made fun of my Canadian friends who say A. I have a lot of Canadian, like almost all my friends are Canadian. And they all say it. And they don't know that they say it. And one, uh, Sister Carla Calhoun, missionary in the Netherlands, I was talking about Canadians saying A, and she said, I don't say A, do I? 
being thing, right? She literally said it in the sentence, and she was not being facetious. She literally didn't know that she was saying it. Another one, a missionary, Scott Grant, he said, I don't say that much. He had just said it like five times in the previous conversation. No idea that what they're saying, they don't even know what's coming out of them. Now, I, I could be on my high horse until I was reading a, a, a Twitter stream about Midwestern people. And I was laughing. It was so, I mean, some of it was just so spot on. But I kept seeing this thing about OPE. O-P-E. <clears throat> and I couldn't figure out what it was. Like, OPE. And so I'm sitting, we're having lunch with Seth, and I said, Seth, I showed him some of the, the, the tweets, and he's, we're laughing together. I mean, it's just so spot on, things that the people in the Midwest do. I said, I have a question, what's ope? He looked at me with such puzzlement. He went, what do you mean, what's ope? I said, I don't know, what's ope? He said, you don't say ope? I said, I don't even know what ope is. He said, everybody says ope. I think. I said, and I actually said, I said, maybe it's like a Canadian with A, and I don't know that I say it. I said, I'm going to listen to myself and see if I actually say it. Because, I mean, I was in complete confusion. So I went to Home Depot. It was not 10 minutes later, and I'm looking at, I was getting ready to buy a Tupperware container, or a big tote thing, and I'm looking at it, and this guy, he's trying to get where I'm at, and I said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I literally went, oh. I, that's exactly what I, I said it. <laughs> I had no idea. And now I listen for it. I say it all the time. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll just say it like, oh, to myself. Dro I drop it. Oh. I had no idea that I'm saying it. Listen to it. I'm telling you, you say it. If you're from here in the Midwest, you say it. You know, we say things and we have no idea. That we're saying them. We don't realize what's coming out of our mouth. When we say things, well, I don't know if that's for us today. You say, well, you know, you're saying the Lord's a liar. So I would never say that, but you are. When you say, well, I don't think he can do it for me. You're saying he doesn't keep his promises. You say, well, I would never say that. But you got to listen to what's coming out your mouth. Sometimes we're saying things about God. We're making accusations toward him, towards his word. And we don't even realize that we're saying it. I just don't think he does those things anymore. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've got to be careful about what's coming out of our mouths because I don't think a lot of it's coming from a bad spirit. I think it's like that Canadian saying, hey, or me saying, oh, we're just so used to it. We don't even realize what's coming out of our mouth. But you've got to be careful when you start accusing the one true God of the Bible of not being true. He keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. Jesus kept talking to them about the promise. I taught a series one time just 
about the message of John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. John the Baptist is called the greatest prophet that ever lived by the Lord himself. Never been a better prophet, a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Do you know what John prophesied? He prophesied one single thing. One thing. Repent. Because the one coming after me is mightier than I am. In fact, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. I'm just baptizing you with water. But when he gets here, he is going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. John was the greatest prophet that ever lived, Jesus said. There has never been a greater prophet than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist's message was simple, to repent, to be baptized, and that you would be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus preached it. Jesus preached baptism. Jesus preached repentance. Jesus promised the power of the Holy Spirit would come. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. The writer of the gospel says this, that he is speaking of the Holy Ghost that was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. It is the same sermon that John preached. And the end of his life is coming. Jesus keeps talking more and more about this promise. The promise of the Father is coming. The promise of the Father is coming. The promise of the Father is coming. Get ready, boys. The promise is coming. He said, but Lord, you're going away. He said, yeah, I'm going away, but don't worry about it. I won't leave you without comfort. I won't leave you comfortless. I won't leave you comfortless. Read the book. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will come to you. He's getting, he's literally ascending out of this world. And he tells them, he said, you wait here in Jerusalem. Don't leave. Stay here in Jerusalem. Because John told you that I would baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. Stay here in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And Jesus goes up. You realize that is his last command. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit, and it's going to give you power, the power to do what? Power to be a witness to Jesus Christ. He ascends up into glory and now the angels stand there and they're standing there and saying, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. These are the last words of Jesus. You shall receive power. You shall receive power. But it didn't happen. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the othermost parts of the earth. This is Jesus' last command. This is it. Angels, they're just standing there listening to these last words and the angels say, what are you waiting here for, boys? I'm just going to stare up into heaven forever? You heard him? Stay in the city. And so they go and they find an upper room. What is an upper room? It's an upper room. Second story. 
and they're there. A lot of people left. 500 at the ascension, down to 120 in the upper room. Some people just don't believe what the Lord says. They don't believe that he can do exactly what he promised that he can do. But he can do anything. But there was a quarter of them that believed. And they're up there, and the first day comes and goes, and nothing happens. And the second day comes and goes, and nothing happens. And it goes on and on and on. Somewhere between seven and ten days, depending on your theological take. <laughs> A week of praying and seeking the Lord, and nothing happens. And you have to wonder if, if that 500 slowly dwindled down to the 120 or if only the 120 went to the room. I kind of have a feeling it dwindled down after that first day. Well, I guess he's not doing it. I haven't seen it yet, and he must not be able to keep his word. But there was 120 people in that room that believed that our Lord keeps his promises. And they were waiting on a promise. They were not just waiting for something to happen. They were waiting for a promise to be given to them. It is important to understand it's not just a can be. It's not a maybe. It is a promise. It's not a promise from Nick. It's not a promise from any man, but it's a promise from God himself. It's a promise. Jesus said he will do it for you. For you. It's a promise. You know I love this book. <laughs> because it's a, it's a head scratcher sometimes. <laughs> Abraham is the father of all who have faith. And yet we read twice. Three times. Where Abraham loses faith. Three times Abraham thinks, well, I don't think he can really do it, so I'm going to go to Egypt. Well, I have a baby by Hagar. I don't think Sarah can, he's going to be able to do that. I think I'll go down to this city. Three times the father of all who have faith loses faith. We see the one that the Lord said, this is a man after my own heart, talking of David. And David is an adulterer and David is a murderer and David loses faith. But they turn it around. And then we get to this little book of Haggai and said, if the vision tarry, wait for it. It's yet for an appointed time. It will not tarry. If it tarries, wait for it, it will not tarry. What, how can that both be? How, how can it tarry and not tarry? How, how can it be delayed and not delay? Well, it's very simple. For our little human concept, when we're looking at second hands, I, I got my little digital watch. It's, it's going, it's getting from the atomic clock somewhere. It's right to the second. I can see. There's another one, another one, another one, another one, another one. 
Even our service here, we count it down by the seconds. Every little part of our life is measured, not even in seconds now, but we're going to fractions of seconds when we're looking at downloads and uploads and we're looking at all of this stuff and we live in such little minuscule moments and we forget that we don't serve a minuscule God who's limited to a watch or a calendar, but we serve an eternal God who has all power. And when it says, if it tarries, wait for it, it means if it seems like it's tearing, if it seems like it's delayed, if it seems like it's not going to happen, just keep on waiting because it's going to happen at the right time. 480. No, 380. Can't do math. 380. Gave up. 380 assumed because it didn't happen right this second. It's not going to happen for me. But there were 120 people that believed what our Lord said. And they just kept on praying. And they kept on believing. And then the book says the most wonderful words. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues and prophesy. The Lord always keeps his promises. The people below, they start hearing all this commotion. They're all standing out. They say, I hear my home language. Someone says, I hear my home language. I, man, I live in a small place. Nobody speaks that language, and they're talking. Someone said, oh, they're crazy. Another guy said, nah, they're drunk. Yeah, and the guy said, yeah, they're drunk on grape juice. They're nuts. About that time, Peter hears it, and he walks out. You know, people say, oh, you're too excited, you're too this, you're too that. There's no need to act that way. I like what Peter said. He said, they're not drunk the way you think. He didn't say that they were sober. He just said, they're not drunk the way you think. You know, a pastor friend of mine, Jimmy Stark, said something one time. He said, when you're talking about roughing up this drunk guy playing football, didn't feel anything. He's drunk. They just tackled him harder. He didn't feel anything. And he said something that really struck out to me. He said, the reason some of us are hurting so bad is we're trying to fight sober. We're trying to fight sober. But when you're drunk, when you're drunk, it, it, it doesn't hurt the same. Everything doesn't get to you. You just don't feel it the way you normally. You're not supposed to be drunk on wine or alcohol or beer, but you are supposed to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit till it's running over to excess, all of a sudden the blows of the enemy, they don't feel as bad as they used to feel. He said, oh, they're not drunk the way you think, but this is that which was spoken to the prophet Joel. It shall. Notice that. It didn't say it might. It didn't say it could. It didn't say it should. It said it shall. It will come to pass. In the last days, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. All flesh. All flesh. Peter preached and preached and preached. And so much so, Luke's hand cramped up. He's right. And finally, he just said, with many other words, 
<laughs> Luke's hand looks like this. Peter had multiple closings. What am I going to do here, fellas? With many other words. Skip to the good part. When they're done, he said, He preached us into hell. We killed him. We're guilty. We're sinners. He got us in hell, preacher. What do we do? What do we do in the heart of every apostolic, the heart of every Pentecostal, come from the wonderful lips of Peter? He said, repent. Repent. You know, repentance isn't hard. You say, well, it's hard to die. That's true for some folks. If you want to keep on living, it's hard. But when you want to go, dying's not that hard. When you don't want to live the same way anymore, dying's not that hard. Repentance not that difficult. You say, I don't want to be that man anymore. I don't want to be that woman anymore. It's not that hard to repent. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to do it your way from now on. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to hear the next words: for the promise is unto you. It wasn't just for a few people in an upper room, but he said the promise is for you. It's for you your children, it's to all that are far off. In fact, it's for everybody the Lord will ever call. The promise is for you. The promise is for you. How do you know if you've received that promise? Well, it's very simple. Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 11 records the events of Peter going to the first Gentile to ever receive the Holy Ghost's house. You know what a Gentile is? It means somebody's not a Jew. Going to the first non-Jew's house, Cornelius, the Lord sent Peter there. And Peter's preaching. And while Peter's preaching, all of a sudden, they all fall out in the Holy Ghost. And they begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're speaking in a language they do not know. And it said the Jews that were with Peter, they were astonished that the Lord would give the Holy Spirit to Gentiles. He said they've received the Holy Ghost like as of us. You know how they knew they received it? Read Acts 10 and Acts 11 for yourself. You know how they knew that they received it? it said, for they heard them speak with tongues. People say, well, is it a gift? The Holy Spirit is a gift, but it is not a gift of the Holy Spirit. People say, oh, that's just a gift. Oh, I will destroy that in one second. You know, there's a gift of faith, right? Have you ever heard the gift of faith? My question is, can you be saved without faith? By grace are you saved through faith. That's what Ephesians says. You cannot, you cannot be saved without faith. Hebrews 11, 6, 6 says this, He that cometh to him must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You have to have faith. You have to have faith. You cannot be saved without faith. 
So if you cannot be saved without faith, and yet some have a gift of faith, what is it talking about? It's talking about a different kind of faith. I have faith, but I've been praying for the gift of faith for several years now. That's what I want. I want the gift of faith. The gift of faith is different from faith. You cannot be saved without faith. We all realize that. Every denomination realizes there has to be an aspect of faith. You cannot be saved without it. So if there is a gift of faith, it must be talking about a different kind of faith. So when it's talking about a gift of tongues, it's not talking about tongues as the sign of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That is the initial sign. But it's talking about a different kind of tongue, a message in tongues, an interpretation of tongues. It's talking about a different tongue. It's not a gift of the Spirit. It is a sign of the infilling of the Spirit. The only way the Jews knew that Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit is because they heard them speak with tongues. It's a promise. You know what? Again, I love this book because Peter preached it on Pentecost to all those that are far off. That means Gentiles. And he didn't even believe it. It took the Lord giving him a vision over and over again, knocking on his thick skull. Hey, Pete! But just because Peter didn't believe it didn't mean it wasn't true. Our God keeps his promises. Our God cannot lie. His word is true. And he has promised us his spirit. He promised us that it was for us. Others have an argument, but I have a promise. Others have doubts and put limits on God, but I'm living under a promise today. Oh, you don't have to go by what someone says you can and can't have. All you've got to do is sell to the book and say, if Jesus said it's for me, it's for me. I'm living under the promise. I'm holding on to the promise. The promise is unto you. It's to your children. I told you already, some of you weren't in here yet. The report from Columbia last night in the crusade we helped sponsor. They had 2,046 receive the Holy Spirit for the very first time in their first service there in Columbia. It's for you. It's for everyone. It's not for a select few. It's not for a special chosen people. It's for whosoever will. Let them come and drink freely, the scripture says. The promise, the promise, the promise is for you. Don't let someone steal your promise. Don't let someone else's doubts rob you. Don't let them take something that's rightfully yours. That's been promised to you. Claim your promise today. Claim the promise today. It's for you. Maybe you've had the Holy Spirit a long time. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord a long time. What do you do then? You know, it was never meant to be something up on a shelf. It was never meant to be a collector's item. Yeah, I got mine. 
walked into orthodontist office with my son, man, those guys went to some fancy schools. All those diplomas hanging up on the wall. But a diploma on the wall doesn't mean anything if you're not using it. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is not a diploma to hang on your wall. It is a birth certificate that you're living a new life with a new purpose. And if you've been letting the enemy steal the power of the promise from you, you know what the promise is? It said you shall receive power. After that, you receive the Holy Ghost, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Maybe the enemy's keeping you from opening your mouth. Maybe he's keeping you bashful and shy and hiding what the Lord has done from you in a corner, hoping others won't see it. But I'm telling you, my friend, it's time for you to let the promise of God flow in your life. Let it give you a boldness. Let it give you an excitement. Let it give you a determination. Let it give you a mouth that is not afraid to open up and speak to people about the goodness of our great God and that that same promise is for them it's for everybody it's for everybody stand with me across this place and let's lift our hands and our voices to the Lord right now Jesus we magnify you oh I worship you Lord I worship you Jesus I love you Lord I love you Lord I love you Lord Jesus, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Oh, we magnify you, Lord. I think we need to do that for a few more minutes. The promise, the promise, the promise, the promise. Oh, maybe you've been speaking negatively. Maybe you've been limiting God and you didn't even realize you were saying it. You need to open up your mouth and begin to declare it. The promises are for me. The promise of God is for me. Oh, I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. I believe you, Lord. The promise. You know, Revelation, at least it's been my experience, is usually Christians call revelation, everybody else says an epiphany. For me, maybe I'm not real bright, but for me, they're over simple things. You know, the enemy whispers so much. Say, well, God's not going to do that for you. Maybe the Lord promised you something, and it hasn't happened. And the enemy whispers, he's not going to do that, he can't do that. But you know what? How many of you have received the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues? If he did that for you, why would you ever doubt any other promise? Why would you doubt any other miracle? Do you realize that means you have faith 
enough to believe and receive that the God of the universe will come inside of you, wash away your sins, and then take over your mouth and begin to speak through you in a language you don't understand, but expresses everything that you need to say. We tell you, that's a lot of faith. It's a lot more faith than it takes to heal cancer. That's a lot more faith than it takes to mend a broken bone. That's a lot more faith than it takes to receive your miracle. To have your family put back together again. To bring peace to your troubled mind. Free you of depression. Free you of anxiety. You know what? Nick's gotten cocky. I just started saying, I'm a son of the king. I'm a son of the living God. He filled me with his spirit. He gave me his name in baptism. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I tell you what, I've already received the biggest promise of them all. Everything else, that's small beans to believe in. I'm telling you today, if you've been holding off on a promise God has given you, you need to open up your mouth, open up your heart, open up your mind, and just declare, I'm going to get my promise.